welcome to episode 219 of the Reformed Brotherhood. I'm Jesse. And I'm Tony, and we are proud members of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. And apparently we've forgotten entirely how to podcast. Yes. Well, as as you may have been able to hear from the dynamic, we're in the same room together. So That's right. We were uh, fortunate enough as a family to be able to gather uh, for our Midwinter No Reason celebration. Uh, we're also fortunate enough as a family where most of us have jobs where we could do an effective quarantine to make sure everybody's going to be safe. So Jesse and I are sitting in the sanctuary of the church, which our longtime listeners know is uh, the basement of my home and the basement of Jesse's childhood home. So it's a lot of fun. It is a good time. This is like we do this, what, maybe two times a year we're yeah. actually in person. So yeah. Yeah, something like that. This is like the special episode, although it probably makes no difference to anybody else no. except for us. No, I actually hear from people most of the time that they think we're in the same room all the time. <laughs> I get that too. So I'm not sure whether people care. What a world we live in, editing people. It's so beautiful. I know. It's amazing. So we uh, we thought, uh, we, we did our normal five-minute pre-show conference and decided that we're going to do kind of a 2020 year in review for this episode. So this episode should be coming out on Wednesday the 30th, which is about as close to New Year's Eve as we possibly can get. And we wanted to just kind of look back a little bit at what we've done as a show in the last year, maybe call out some of our favorite episodes, things that if you're new to the podcast, maybe this is where you want to start uh, in the last year. Please, please don't go back and listen to all 218 (laughs) episodes. Uh, You know, if you start at like episode one, we don't even introduce ourselves. We just start talking. and That's how we do. Yeah, I'd like to say we got better, but I'm not 100% sure that we, we got did. different yeah yeah we sound more like an actual podcast i think i think a so a little bit more on so we want to talk a little bit about like where you might start as a new a new listener uh, maybe some some uh series that we've done that we are particularly happy with and i'm sure as it usually happens our conversation will kind of go into other fields of thought as we go you know that's a good idea most of our planning i think happens when we just start recording and we talk out loud right we should put together a list of like, if you want to get a sense, the flavor of the Reformed Brotherhood, listen to these episodes, like five episodes or something like that. Yeah. I see other podcasts do that. This yeah. seems like a thing. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I've seen it before. So, I mean, it's a thing. <laughs> Somebody's got to do that work, though. I can't even put together show notes. So we'll see. Uh, can we address that? Here's something that will not change yes. in 2021. The show notes situation. So Tony and I always have the best intentions with the show notes. And... We regularly, with some frequency, it's definitely recurrent, we receive emails from people, brothers and sisters, who are so polite and they say, hey, I'm a new listener or I've been listening for a while. You referenced something and you said it was going to be in the show notes. And then they usually very politely ask, have I missed them? I can't seem to find them. As opposed to just saying, you don't have show notes and you keep saying you're going to have them. So you're all correct. We need to, yeah. <laughs> that's all, I guess that was just my PSA. Here's, here's a perfect example is, is <laughs> I would love to go back. Uh, the first episode that we recorded last year was a little like five second uh, sitting in Jesse's mom's basement episode called Podcasting Resolutions. Oh, yeah. And I would love to go back and tell you what those resolutions are, but I don't remember, and I don't have show notes. So I suppose I could, like, edit in us talking about it, but, yeah, we're not going to do show notes. If you are somehow an independently wealthy entrepreneur and want to fund our podcasting career, 
I will give you show notes if I don't have to work. But uh, that's that's kind of all we're going to get, I think. So one more thing then, I guess, before we get to the meat of all this good stuff, an- another part of the prolegomena is because we're at the end of another year, I want to, again, I think it would be remiss, we didn't thank those who have given to yes. us in lots of ways. We've received lots of encouragement. We know people have noted that they prayed for us, that this was helpful in their theological journey, or that this was a foil for conversation with their friends and yeah. family. All those things are of such great encouragement to us. And in addition to that, there are those who've actually given of their money as well to support yes. our costs. And we are so thankful for that. I mean, it really blows me away that people, after fulfilling their first responsibilities to their local church, they've said, we have a little bit left over and we'd like to give toward this thing that you guys do. I'm so grateful for that. And if that's you and you want to get in on that, sometimes people like to, will reach out yeah. to us and say, like, I'd be happy just to give a little bit. That make me feel like I'm contributing to the work yeah. that's being done here. Yes, please. And you can just go to reformbrotherhood.com. There's a little Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner. And you can click on that. There are those that give, uh, that all of, everybody gives generously. But honestly, like there are people that give like just a couple dollars a month. And that makes a big difference it does to make us. A big difference. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we've been blessed to do as the Reformed Brotherhood is to sort of reboot the Society of Reformed Podcasters. And one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that we often use some of the surplus funds that come in that we're not making active use of, rather than just let that sit in our, our PayPal account or wherever it lives. Is, rather than just let that sit there, we're using it to help other podcasts in the network. Sometimes podcasts outside of the network right. that are trying to get started, you know, we'll, we'll foot the bill for their domain costs or something like that because somebody has been generous and has given abundantly to us, and now we have the resources to, to give to someone else as well. So if you're interested in giving, you know, we... we we joke about how the you know the cost of admission is free, but we really mean it. Like we don't ever want to be a show that charges you to listen to it. Uh, but if you want to help us to offset some of our costs, you can go to Patreon. If you're not a big fan of Patreon, you have some sort of like ethical concern about the Patreon model, you can email us and we can get you set up to just give to PayPal. Um, but there, there's a lot of ways to Absolutely. give. And, and this sounds like one of those like things that missionaries say that everybody kind of rolls their eyes at. But, you know, the missionaries that I know, it's true. And, and it's true for us is the best thing you can do for us is just pray for us as we do this. Yes. We, we talk a lot about how this is not an uppercase M formal ministry, but it is something that we're doing to try to be uh, honoring to the Lord to try to, to share the gospel, to try to edify Christians and support the church. So if you pray for us, that's awesome. If you are so moved after you've fulfilled your commitment to your local church uh, and your own personal financial commitments to give generously, that's that's great too. I really thought you were about to go into some Ray Bolts when Ray you said that thing about, thank you for giving <laughs> to the Lord. Yeah, I know. I really thought that's where we were going with you that. Know, sometimes I break into oceans. That's true. That's true. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'm just, I'm called out upon the water. Yeah, I just. You got to step out in faith. It. You do. Yeah. So thank you for everybody that's given. Thank you for people who have lent their voices by sending us voicemails. Thank you for people who sent us emails. Again, we read through all that stuff. And in the new year, there'll be more question casts yes. coming. So much of the episodes get based on something somebody's written to us. So please don't stop. It sounded like, again, I was about to go into song. But, um, <laughs> Please don't stop the music. Don't stop. So, But um, we really appreciate all that stuff. So we just want to encourage our listeners like to keep being a part of this thing that we have going on that God has blessed us yeah. all to be a part of. So before we get into a little bit of reflection, we get a little bit nostalgic, um, can we do an affirmation? Let's or two? do an We're affirmation. just going to keep it positive yeah. today. It's yeah, been a long year. That. I get that. So let's keep it positive. So I'm going to start with uh, just a really quick app affirmation that hopefully will propel people into the new year. I think I'm behind on this. 
Okay. But I'm willing to be that person that says like, hey, here's a brand new thing. And then everybody's <laughs> going to say, yeah, I've been doing that for four years. So everybody, I think, or not everybody, but a lot of people this time of year are thinking about reading plans. It's a time yes. of year you got to decide. It's coming up, people. So loved ones, you'll hear this on the 30th. You've only got a limited amount of time. And I'm just like everybody else. But here's what I found through another blog, and that is this app just called Reading Plan. Hmm. And it's basically like a shell. So it just tracks your reading plan, but you get to pick the reading plan you put into it. Nice. So you can do McShay, you can do the five day, you could do like all these reading plans. And it just allows you to check everything off day by day. It sets the calendar for you. But what I love about it is it's not like a, you can even use some of like the table talk reading plans are all in there. It's amazing. So I think nice. it's like the perfect way. And I used to print everything out and keep it in the Bible. And that was both good and bad, like having the printed copy. Yeah. I think having the electronic version will just be so much more easy. So reading plan. And you can put in whatever plan that you want. And it will yeah. keep track of that for you. Nice. So I'm I'm affirming something that's actually like literally the opposite of your affirmation. Great. So you and I have talked about how sometimes a reading plan can actually sort of work against you. Yes. Because you fall behind and then you feel guilty. And then a lot of times you just stop. Um, this, this is what happened to me last year is I had a reading plan. I fell a little bit behind. It was too much to catch up. And so I, I, I mean, Jettison. I kept, right. I kept reading the Bible, but I didn't have like a reading plan for the, the how rest of the dare year. you. And one of the things that's nice about a reading plan <laughs> is you can keep track of where you are in relation yes. to finishing the whole Bible or finishing a certain portion. Um, but it was actually detrimental to me because I don't know if I made it through the whole Bible last year. I don't know because I didn't, I didn't follow right. through on my reading plan. So this year I'm affirming just setting aside time and reading scripture without an agenda, without a plan, you know, that plans are good. I affirm Jesse's affirmation, <laughs> but it's also good to just set aside time yes. and to, to devote a certain amount of time. Cause one of the things that I find now, I do have like a plan that I'm working on is it's, it's some days it's like five minutes of reading and other days it's like right. 20 minutes of reading. And so not that there's anything wrong with reading a different amount of scripture on different days. Like I'm not being legalistic about this, but for the new year, I'm just setting aside. I'm going to set a timer for 30 minutes. I'm going to start reading and I'm just going like to read that. until I'm done. And then the next day I'll just keep going. So I'm hoping, you know, I think initially I'm just going to start in Genesis and go and see, you know, where the Lord takes me. Um, that just sounded like really charismatic, Charis charismatic, charismatic. Uh, sound really charismatic. That's not what I meant. Um, you know, I'm just going to start in Genesis and go, and then then maybe I'll do a archaeological you know, ordering or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm affirming just setting aside time, building a discipline of regularly scheduling a set amount of time in your day uh, to be with the Lord and to to read the Scripture. I mean, we're all about just getting in the Scripture this right. year. It sounds like, and I, this so this definitely resonates with me because sometimes people who are runners when they create a running plan. Some people like the goal of distance, but other people like a time goal. Right. And they say, I just want to get out and do 20 minutes and I'm not going to stress myself with pace. We're talking about kind of the same thing. Yeah. It's like the bottom line is the reading the scripture, living in a day and age where we can read the scripture daily should be of great joy to us. And the minute it crosses over into that religious religiosity, not in like the J.C. Ryle kind of right. way, like the good way, but this way of like, it's a responsibility that I bear that I, it becomes a weight and it becomes legalistic. That is definitely a problem. Maybe happy medium is, people can keep me accountable to this. This year, I'm going with something different for my reading plan, which is the five day nice. for that exact reason, because yeah. I also found, and this is a problem that's great to have, but like you were saying, the McShay plan, for instance, is very aggressive. 
It's it's awesome. You're gonna read through yeah. parts of scripture twice in a year. I mean, we shouldn't complain about that. That's a beautiful opportunity to have. Yeah. At the same time, I always found like on the Lord's Day, if you wanted to spend some time really focusing, let's say, on the passage that was going to be preached about, it was almost like I would get internally stressed because I'd be yeah. like, I have only so much time and I want to make sure I devote time to, to processing and to reading carefully. But I want to get to like what we're being preaching about. Yeah. I want to have an extra time for meditation. And so I never did a good job at really building that in yeah. well and not being stressed about that. So I want to try something different this year. That gives me a little bit the best of both worlds like you're talking about. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. The other thing that, that I've been frustrated with in the past, and this is so like people are rolling, people who are missionaries in Africa and people clamor over each other to have one page of the Bible are, are rolling their eyes at us. But I've been frustrated in the past because I'll be on a reading plan and I'll hear a podcast that has some sort of interest in another, yeah. another section of the yep. Bible. I know exactly what you're And I want to dig into that, but I'm like, but I'm on this reading plan. Yes. And it's not as though I couldn't like just add more reading. Obviously, you can always read more scripture, but you sometimes feel like, oh, I got to just stay on this plan. And then you're like, well, I'll stop for a few days and then it just gets all off kilter. Yes. So I'm looking forward to a year of really just focusing on spending some time in scripture without much of an agenda, just kind of working my way through it. I love that. Um, you know, and then for me too is I do my reading before work. And a lot of times I'm on a tight schedule before work. So if I stop and I want to stop and take notes or if I want right. to stop and kind of trace down a thread in a scripture I'm seeing and, and do a little bit of research, I don't have time to do that. And I always tell myself I'm going to come back to that. And then I almost never so do. So hard. Yeah. So having, having saying like, I've got 30 minutes set aside if that means that I read scripture directly for 30 minutes and then I'm done, that's fine. If that means I read scripture for five minutes and then spend 25 minutes chasing down a, a Greek word in, in Romans that I want to try to do, you know, that, that gives me the freedom to do that, which right. I think is good. One last thing, looking ahead, and then I promise we'll look behind. One of the things I want to, I think that'd be helpful to wrap this all up that just came to my mind is, again, I'm going to put a plug in for J.C. Ross Practical Religion. But what I love is that in the first several chapters, he does something that I think Christians are often afraid to do. He prioritizes disciplines in terms of like, essentially what he says is, here's like the biggest bang for yeah. the buck. Yeah. And he actually places what's first is prayer and Bible reading is second. He almost basically says, if you have time for just one thing, pray. Right. If you have time for two things, pray and read the Bible. So this year I want to get after building into that time of what we consider like devotions is prayer, like yeah. before and after, like meditating through prayer, meditating and processing through prayer, and then also having like a regimented structure where the prayer closet for me in terms of time spent is just as deep as the reading. Because we can get yeah. wrapped up in the, I'm going to set aside time to read, and it's not even that, I mean, you can read exceptionally well and then think about it throughout the day, but like where is that equal focus on prayer? And I, I want to get after that this year. Yeah. I want to be, he basically says like, like we've talked about, if you're a shallow Christian, if you look at other Christians and say, I wish it could be like that, he would say to you, just stack up your prayer time against one another and see yeah. that you're weak because you don't pray. And I was like, dang, yeah, you are not wrong. Yeah, and that that's something, you know, that emphasis of prayer over scripture reading is something that's alien to people in our kind of like post-Finney, post-Billy uh, yes. Graham era yep. where it's it's all about you and your private relationship Devos. with God. And, and, you know, you really get Quiet there by time. doing it. Right, exactly. In, in generations past, whether it was because literacy was low or it was because the scriptures were not available, I mean, there's huge swaths of Christian history where people, you think about like the persecuted church. Right. The, first of all, it's dangerous for them to sit and read a Bible, you know, all the time. They do that. They don't care that it's dangerous, but 
they they oftentimes don't have access to it. They they you know they I mentioned like in Africa, there's places where like a whole village has one page of a Bible, right. and that's and that they preach that every week. And yes. then, you know, but but the ability to pray is the one thing that can never be taken away from a Christian. Mm. You can take a person's Bible, you can take away their church, you can take away everything from them, but that unity and communion with God is something that can never be stripped away from a Christian. So right. learning to practice that well, I think it will pay dividends in the Christian life. Because then it prepares you for any situation. There are times that I don't have access to a Bible. There are never times that I don't have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. Amen. So should we just end it there? Yeah. Let's. So happy 2020. (laughs) No. Yeah. We'll we'll actually talk about uh, our topic. Uh, One last thing. Speaking of 2021, before we start talking about 2020. I do want to say we've picked a date to launch our new bookcast series. Oh, uh, yes. Thank you. So we are going to uh, – the first episode where we discuss Reset by David Murray is going to be published on January 13th. So that will give you enough time to purchase the book to get through. We're just going to do defined chapter by defined chapter. So I, I haven't looked at the table contents if there's a specific introductory chapter or not. We will do that as a chapter. So whatever the first discrete unit of text is, besides like the preface, the first numbered pages, that's what we're going to do the first week. Um, we're going to target three times a month because uh, we want to get through it. We loved doing reform preaching, but it took us two and a half years. So uh, <laughs> we want to get through it in relatively short order. But we're excited to kind of like work through this book with with um, with the brotherhood here and get some real practical stuff. I think, and when I think about 2021, I think it's like the year of the practical because yeah. this last year has been so weird in a lot of ways. Like the impractical stuff that we've we've learned to do, like the the stuff that we're also used to, we we're being forced to get back to basics with all the craziness of coronavirus and everything. So I'm looking forward to this book kind of helping reset that. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, Very nice. Get this book to reset that for us in 2021. Yes. We're excited. So yes. grab a copy, come along on the journey with us. This is going to be a great thing because I think everybody... Man, I really believe that at this point. No matter who you are, I've had some type of fatigue. And some yeah. of that fatigue is spilled over, I think, into spiritual and emotional and intellectual. And I think at this point, we shouldn't be ashamed to say that we're feeling that way a little bit. So let's go back to the Father. Let's. Yeah. We just talked about, at length, the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's really seek after a, a new filling of the Holy Spirit this year, a true renewal. And I'm really excited to get into that place. I yes. think God, God is gracious in many ways to be able to use situations like this to remind us that he is the all in all. And until we really come to that place where we need to seek him out as the all in all, because we just feel exhausted, he really can't be that to us, even though he is already that to us. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm stoked. It's, it's going to be a good year in, in its own way. 2020 was a good year, um, which we'll talk about. And um, the reason for that is because we serve a good God who Amen. plans all things for our good and for his glory. So, Amen. Just Romans 8, 28, yeah. that right at the top. Yeah. Well, speaking of Romans 8, 28, <laughs> I think one of the episodes last year that was my favorite to do yeah. and one of the ones that we got, I think, probably the most active feedback on, we did an episode that actually was never intended to be an episode. Um, we intended it started off as a denial where I was denying the fact that people refused to accept that coronavirus was judgment from God or, or even could be judgment from God. Right. And so it started off as a denial where we talked about that and then it just turned into an entire episode because we realized there was a lot more to it. Um, I think that that episode was called Coronavirus Judgment and Salvation. We did it in April. And this was actually still when like the pandemic 
was still really new. Right. I mean, we're in kind of a, you know, hindsight is 2020. Um, is that a pun? It is. It's going to be an even better pun when I do my New Year's cheer. Um, <laughs> hindsight's 2020, right? So looking back at the pandemic, depending on where you live in the country, you can kind of see like, yeah, some things might have been a little overblown. Right. It's a little bit easier to keep yourself safe than we originally maybe thought it was. Um this was early on where we didn't really we didn't really know that we right. we didn't know whether or not you were going to get it from walking past someone in a grocery aisle quickly. We didn't know whether you were going to get it from your you know your mail carrier sneezing and and then touching your mail. We didn't understand that stuff. So that episode for me really kind of like it, it's it's always fun on on this podcast when we're in the middle of an episode and it's almost like my position or my paradigm changes like in real time. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I love about doing the show the way we do it is we don't have a really structured, rigid outline. So we're free to pivot on, you know, on a moment's notice. And I'm free to like, we're both free to explore a topic that we maybe haven't before and sort of come to new conclusions or new angles on a, a question that we haven't before. And that was really a moment for me where it was like, I'm really, you know, as a Reformed Christian, obviously, I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, God has a plan for this. There's something, mm. something intended here. None of this is accidental. I, I've read right. Romans 8. I understand what it says. But for the, for me, that moment really reflecting on it and then tying it to the Havler Catechism of saying, not only do all things work for good, but they're subservient to my salvation. Yes. Which is a huge pivot for oh, me. Oh, that was that episode yeah, where it was we a talked great about episode. the catechism. Yes. Yeah, that was a really important one, and I think in many ways that concept married so well with what Dr. Beakey was talking about Reformed preaching. Yeah. He spoke so much about what it meant to be experiential in right. the Reformed faith and that tradition. And when we came time to talk about everything that was happening in our world, and man, did we have conversations about masks yeah. and loving your neighbor and the Ninth Commandment, all these things wrapped up together. And for me, there was a sense of experiential nature of the scriptures that was manifest this year in, in a way that was unlike any other year. Because it's one thing, like you said, to read Romans 8.28. And when your life is mostly good and cushy, which right. for the most part in the Western world, our lives really right. are. Yeah. There's a lot of people that encounter personal sickness and trial. There's a lot of people that have uh, financial issues that go on in their lives. And those often are the entry point into Romans 8.28. But we're all in this massive togetherness of not knowing anything about what was going on. And for the Christian, there was this sense that things were unknown. But I was I made this argument, I think, this year. Unknown and uncertain are different things to me. Right. And we know that things are certain because they're wrapped up in God's superintending will. And that superintending will is a good will. And we were going to Romans 8.28 saying, right. this verse doesn't matter unless it matters to us right now. Unless we right. can put our feet on this and say that in the midst of all this unknownness that's going on, that we can still say God is good and that what he's doing is good and that somehow this is for our good and that the virus itself is underneath his will for our salvation and everything is obedient to that right. fact. And it's a fact, yeah. such as an opinion or like well-wishing or good thinking. That... I think was massive this year. And I've had lots of conversations with Christians who struggled through that verse this year because it's always been the kind of thing that shows up on a plaque or a card, but never is, not never, is often not embedded in our hearts to such a degree that when we walk out the door and we're still worried and scared and nervous, that that is the thing that's centering us yeah. away from those feelings and in back or in toward the truth. Yeah. So we, we wrestled with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, when I think about Romans 8, 28, and I think about how I've heard it deployed, how I've heard it preached, how I've heard it reflected on, it's almost always um, 
I shouldn't say almost always. In my experience, what I see Christians do is they say to someone basically like, you're just not seeing the good in this. Like, we know all yeah, things work together right. for the good of those who, who love God. So you need to try harder to see the good in this. Right. And while there is probably some truth to that in a lot of circumstances, um, you know, a lot of times you look back at a, a situation that in the moment feels really terrible and you're able to see the positive. And it's probably the case that if you thought through things and you didn't react as much, you might see that positive in the moment a little bit more. It's possible. But that verse has such a deeper meaning yes, than that. It's right. not just this is really good and, and you just need to see it. You need to just try a little harder. It's really more along the lines of this is fundamentally good. Even the stuff that feels really bad right. is really good. It's not about finding the silver lining. Yes. The whole storm cloud is good. Right. And that's what I think that's what I think when I, we were talking about it in that episode, that was where it clicked for me is it's not just in all things, some things are subservient to my <laughs> salvation. Right. It's not in all things, God works some things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It's in all things, God call, God works for the good, not just the stuff that feels good. And it's not just about glimpsing the good among amidst the bad. Right. It's about understanding that there is no bad thing in the long term for a Christian. Yes. All things, all things are subservient to my salvation right. because of who I am in Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. Right. And so for me, that was just a real radical paradigm change. I mean, I've, I've talked about it a little bit here and there, but like I had some issues at work this year. I, I lost a position and had to take a dem demotion that wasn't entirely voluntary, but it also wasn't entirely involuntary. Right. It was in that middle place where, where I had to make a decision and I, I took a demotion. And you know, everybody says a few years after they take a demotion or they get fired, everybody says that was the best thing that ever happened to me. But because I had been thinking about this, because I'd been wrestling through this in the moment, literally in the meeting where I'm sitting with my manager and I'm being told, these are your options. You can either leave, good luck finding a new position in, in a pandemic, or you can take this, this demotion and a pay cut. Yeah. In that moment, I could say, whatever this is, it's for my salvation. It's yeah, for my right sanctification. On. So this this is one of those things where I think that verse a lot of times gets deployed in a way where it feels like it doesn't have any actual practical use. Right. But it may be one of the most practical passages in the whole <laughs> scripture because yes. it's it's kind of like we we're talking about with the difference between charismatics and um, reform in terms of who has an image of God that is actually like more involved. Mm -hmm. This this passage is one of those things where it, when we deploy it as like a, a Band-Aid on top of a bad situation, it feels like it only applies in those situations. Right. But when you understand that this applies to all of life, everything falls under the rubric of all things work together for the good of those who love Jesus Christ and are called according to his purpose. It really changes the way you look at situations. It does. You're entirely right, of course. Like the idea that this verse has more for us than we often put on the face because we love just encouraging quips. And so this sounds at first, first blush kind of just like it's another form of encouragement. But of course, it's more than that because what we're getting after is not that all things are good. It's all things work for good. And right. the qualifier that it's to those who love God, those right. whom he's called on to himself. Right. So there's plenty that's happening in the world for those uh, who God has not called on to himself. Or not, you can't take any encouragement for that verse. Yeah. They're outside the realm of what is being spoken about there. But it's definitely more like the, uh, Paul, who of course is using explicit in, in very particular language, this, for me, wraps closely into Jesus talking about the faith of a child. Like, right. it's not, 
I hate when Christians use this verse as like, c'est la vie. Like, just kind of say like, well, there's stuff we can't understand. And you know that even though things are really awful, what I'm saying to you is just like, oh, well, like, it'll just be fine. Or everything happens for a reason. It's not even that. that that's too trite. Right. That's too shallow. It's coming to remind us that just like for a good parent, a child just trusts that parent. It comes to them in love. They never even have the question of like, what yeah. you're doing if you're a good parent is not for my health and for my safety and for my well-being and for my goodness. It's just that a, a child always trusts the parent and comes lovingly to them. And there, there aren't thoughts about having to evaluate everything or try to find out right. why something is being done. They go where the, the parent takes them. They receive the embrace of the parent in a holistic way. And that's what I think we're trying to get after in this year. Isn't that what we need? Is like yeah. not to become subservient to ideas that say you need to find the good, like you're saying. Like I've heard people say, and this is well-intentioned, well, you know, silver lining of coronavirus is I could focus more on this or I could right. get back to this or I could be at rest. I mean, that's a fine statement. That's outside the scope of what we're talking about here. Right. It just is good. Why? Because God is good. Right. And if you can rest in that, then it just seemed like everything else at least you, it's almost like taking a, a deep breath and being like, I don't have to bear that mantle of right. trying to find out why this could be okay, yeah. trying to manufacture a reason or make myself feel better about it. We can say at the same time that we mourn with what's going on in our world, and yet we rejoice that God is king over right. all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that, that kind of leads me to another episode that we got maybe a little bit of heat on. I don't know about too oh. much. But we did an episode. Share. We did an episode right after uh, Justice Ginsburg died. And um, the episode was titled The Christian Response to the Death of the Wicked. And it was a similar kind of thing is, is, you know, there are these times, these watershed moments in all of our lives where like a major paradigm shifting event or thought or something happens. And whether we like it or not, um, whether you're, you're supporting it or not, this transition in the court in the United States from a predominantly... Um, a liberal majority, uh, a thin liberal majority, to now a relatively thick conservative majority, this is a huge deal in American politics. Right. And so when we did that, you know, there was people who were, were kind of looking back and saying, like, look at some of the good things that Justice Bader Ginsburg has done. There were some who were straight up, like, dancing in the streets practically um, in responding in a way that I would say is a sinful response to the death of the wicked. And then there were those of us in the middle who were trying to hold some sort of semblance of saying, we can we can acknowledge that because of the image of God, which is 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 deformed but not removed in the fall, we can we can acknowledge that a person can still yearn for and act in a way that advocates for justice. Right. Um, and, and there were certain things that were accomplished and advocated by uh, Justice Ginsburg that really did forward elements of, of true, what we would call true biblical justice, right? There were also a lot of things that advocated injustice. And so we, we tried to sort of wrestle through that and be able to say, like, you know, we, we want to celebrate what good we can about this person's life. But we also can't just give a blank check to say, you know, uh, yeah, this person right. lived an amazing life. Um, we have to recognize that all of the good they may have done as a residual result of the image of God, that all of that pales into comparison with some of the really bad things that were accomplished in, in her career and in her name. And then we also have to wrestle with the fact that that person, you know, we don't know, but but all appearances, uh, what we can see, the visible signs we have, was that she died apart from Christ, which rather than celebrate and revel over that, like it's a it's a sad thing to, right. to, to recognize when someone goes into eternity and is apparently apart from Christ. That's a terrible, the terrible 
terrifying uh, thing for us to, to reconcile and to, to grapple with. Right. So for me, that was another one of those episodes where it, it kind of came up. I think that was another episode that it sort of ended up being kind of an, a spontaneous yes. episode. I think we talked about it a little bit ahead yes, of time. But, um, you know, we had planned something else. But it was one of those things that was just such a big event in our culture and such a big event in, in realistically, like in our lives. Like we're going to look back on this probably in 10 years, 15 years. And see that all of all of American political life changed in that moment when Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed and was seated on the court. Everything shifts a little bit. Right. Um, and with with politics as contentious as they are, that's actually what the system is designed to do is to to have things that mitigate and check and balance the different actions in the courts and in the the legislature and the executive branch. But I think we're going to look back on it in 10 or 15 years and recognize how big of a deal it was. So it was kind of a, it was kind of a nice um, moment to be able to recognize and see that and to respond to it. And I, one of the things I like about us having conversations is often because I remember one time, just the one time, I think we mentioned this before, we had this discussion about sometimes we can be long. Like I'd like to think that <laughs> This podcast is like the Puritan equivalent of writing because mm-hmm. like, you know, even in the intro we gave, we couldn't even barely get out yeah. of the intro. We kept saying one last thing. And then when we talk about stuff, we have like all these bullet points we go underneath. One time we created an outline because we said <laughs> we, we need to cut it down. The outline pushed us over. We were it longer like with the outline. Hours, yeah. yeah, so it was crazy. And so all that to say, when we talk and we talk about things that the, like we were talking about with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that they're kind of difficult conversations, honestly. Yeah. And I think what we were after there is like, how does a Christian rightly process right. that? And we just don't talk about that a lot. We, yeah. And I think if you're on social media and you're a Christian, sometimes you feel compelled to give a lot more gratitude to somebody like her because people are writing saying, look right. at everything she fought for, all these rights that were given. And the Christian is thinking, well, I understand there were some good things there, but what about everything else? How right. do I process that and have fidelity to the scriptures, what they describe, and also loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ? Right. And so I, I, I'm with you. That was a tough conversation. I know we got some feedback on that because I think it can be polarizing, but it right. doesn't mean we should shy away from talking about that. Yeah. And hopefully if people were angry, that's okay. Hopefully they took that and had conversations with others then right. to help them process that and to speak out loud and try to figure that out. And that's going to be something that we never like try to put together content that's quote unquote evergreen. Right. But what I love is that when you talk about the scriptures that are eternally contemporary, it's always evergreen. Yeah. And so we're always going to have to wrestle with what do we do? Just like David did, honestly, with like trying to process here, are all these wicked people. It's not just about like, well, they're alive and getting favor, but like, how do we quote unquote honor them when they die in a way that says they weren't no, no man is good. And yet there's some things that God in his common grace has allowed them to do that right. pushed forward justice. And yet other times were absolutely horrific. And so it's not a matter of reconciling those yeah. two things, I believe. It's a matter of how do we process them and articulate them in the Christian right. life. Yeah. What can we celebrate and what can we reasonably say? I'm not going to celebrate that. Yeah. And I'm going to say that. That's not being intolerant. It's being faithful to God. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Jesse? What, what kinds of uh, things come to mind from last year? So I really liked that we did a couple of different series. Yeah. So we kind of stepped away a little bit from everything that was happening in the world because there was so much talk and about all kinds of things. Yeah. So we did a couple of different series. The one that I liked, we did a couple of like two-part series, just two episodes so you can just yeah. like jump right in. Freedom to Believe, which we yeah. did in June of this year as a two-part series. And that's, I feel like, our perennial way of making sure we try to articulate something about the Reformed faith in right. particular. 
And so it wasn't like, what I like about the episodes in particular for me was that a lot of times when I see stuff written online or by others that's trying to just present an alternate perspective to the reformed tradition, particularly Calvinism, right. it's always like, why I'm not a Calvinist, yeah. or even Roger Olson's book, Against Calvinism, which I, and he writes why he chose that title, right. I understand. But I think we never entitle our episodes like, why we are not Arminian, or yeah. why, because I think it's better to talk about, well, what does the scripture say, and how are we understanding the scripture, and what is the systematic way in which we understand the scripture that is not imposing some kind of rigid right. structure or rubric on top of it, but merely is trying to take what's in the scripture and organize it so that we can best understand and process the full na narrative and arc of God's grand plan of salvation. I love that we can go back and kind of rehearse or reintroduce those concepts. They're so helpful for me to hear yeah. again. And so encouraging. Yeah, I think, you know, when I think about those sort of, we don't try to produce evergreen content. Like, there's never going to be an episode that's, like, totally, like, intended to be timeless. But there are topics that come up again and again and again in the life of, of a Reformed Christian. Right. Predestination, justification and how that works. Um, you know, baptism and um, and paedobaptism, credobaptism. We did an episode Always. on 1689 federalism yep. that... I guess some people think I wasn't super accurate, but whatever. <laughs> um, you know, so we, we do these episodes because there are things that come up in our own lives. They come yes. up in our own reflection on the scriptures. A lot of times it's a topic comes to mind because something I'm reading, you know, presents a question for me. And one of the ways that we explore it is by talking about it on the podcast. That's part of why I love the, the questions that come in from, from our listeners so much is because a lot of times the questions that come in from our listeners force us to look at something we've talked about or look at something we thought we understood in a different way. Right. Um, you know, I think we, we got questions on the second commandment this year and that led yes. us to do another second commandment episode. Um, you know, we got some questions specifically about uh, the Lord's Supper when we did that question cast that caused us to kind of have to do a little bit more research than we usually do. So I think that the, you know, the series we've done, I, I really enjoyed um, the atonement series that we did. Oh, that was good. Um, you know, because it was one of those things where there are certain areas, everybody who studies systematic theology has a, a particular area of theology that they camp out in more than others. It's just particularly people have different interests combined with the things that you're dealing with at your church, the things that you're taught. Right. Um, and atonement is one of those ones that has just not been part of my wheelhouse. It's not been something that I've had a lot of focus on. So doing a full episode, you know, a full length treatment where each episode was a longer deep dive into some of those theologies was really, really fun for me. I just really enjoyed kind of reading through the different sources and understanding what different people taught. Um, so I really appreciated that uh, episode. And again, it's, it's this perennial topic of we have to understand what does it mean that Christ actually accomplished our salvation? You know, is it is it that he made a way for us to be saved or is it that he actually right. saved us? He actually accomplished the intent of the atonement for his people. So doing that, I think, is a way for us to kind of get back into some of those basic reformed concepts. Um, it, it's funny because a lot, you know, I, I interact with a lot of new podcasters and I get a lot, a fair amount of people that are asking to join the, the um, society and they'll ask me, oh, can I start? And I look, they have one or two episodes. And a lot of times I'll ask them, what's your plan to get past episode 15? Like, right. what, what kind of yep. content, uh, True. What, what kind of content do you have in mind? 
what um, you know what ways are you going to be able to keep going? Because you know I love the Bobcast, and I have no doubt that they're going to continue going for a long time. But some of those shows they have like an expiration date because there's only so much content in your little niche. Right. And a lot of times some of these shows get real specific. So I like that we have the freedom and flexibility because our show is not super super specific to go back and revisit some of those themes, you know, over and over and over again. I highly commend that series and if you're looking for it, it's actually five parts and it started in October 21st of this year. They're called Transubstantiation, Consubstantiation, Zwinglianism, the reform view, and then we actually did a whole question cast yeah. just on the Lord's Supper, which I think was among some of the best, not because we were particularly good, but because there's just a lot of great questions around the Lord's Supper. And that's one of those like disciplines that, it's, especially if you've grown up in the church, it can kind of just seem like it's a thing you always do, and you know it's honoring of the Lord, but you're not really maybe sure why, and we talk so much about that. And then if you're new to Christianity and you come in, it can be like one of those things kind of like, woo. Yeah. Like just weird and mysterious and why is this going on and why? And, you know, like lots of churches, either denominationally or in their local congregations, have interesting traditions, which we talked about around the Lord's Supper, which maybe are sometimes extra biblical and they're they're not harmful. They're kind of just agnostic to the actual process. But you can go to two different Protestant churches, Bible-believing, focused churches, and have two very different experiences with the the Lord's Supper, and yet they still fall within the realm of, you know, what we, co- we consider, like, practical and appropriate practice of it. Yeah. And so that's just one of those wonderful things, even, it's kind of like inside baseball, a little bit. You get to have to poke a little bit of fun, uh, which we did, I think, at Christians, and also to really try to understand what's going on there, what's yeah. happening. And it's one of those things for our episodes, I hope people feel this way. You can hear it in my voice, I think. I'm going to refrain from the the metaphor I usually use. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you, yeah, long-time listeners know. You just, <laughs> that was a beautiful reference. Is, you know, there's lots of people that have hobbies and interests, and they get so excited about it that sometimes, like, their proselytizing of it, like, spills over into this thing of, like, well, everybody should do this. Everybody should feel the way I feel. So, you know, like, I enjoy running, but I know that I can get a little overzealous with it, and there are people, like, that's just not their jam. And that's okay. Yeah, I really enjoy finance, and I would argue a lot of times that like finance is a life skill, and everybody should have some. But at the end of the day, really, that's not always the case. Right. And sometimes the people who are like have a turn of mind for theology just like to like study in particular, and then you know, they're like, I can study God, and I can read all this stuff. Yeah. They want to say like, listen, theology. Everybody should have theology. It's intensely practical. And sometimes I think Christians can feel a little bit guilty about that because they feel like, well, I'm just appropriating my hobby and I'm trying to like superimpose it on everybody with the same passion that I feel about it. And yet what I get into is when we talked about the Lord's Supper on every episode, I got so excited because by the end of that, it wasn't just about like, let's talk about the idea, which is where it kind of has to start, right? Like what is transubstantiation on the page? Let's talk about it. But then let's get into that. By the time we talked about why that's not the proper view, I was so excited about what God was doing in our lives and what he had done and the practice of being able to eat and partake of this literal meal with God's people and what that meal actually meant that was so encouraged in the inner person, if this makes sense, that I was like, this is why people say, and this is why it's true, that theology matters. Yes. And everybody not only has it, but needs to have a better version of it. And it changes your life because God uses that to dramatically transform us and sanctify us in a way that is commensurate with the regeneration that already has preceded this investigation into who yeah. he is. It does matter. This is not just pure hobbying taking over and being pushed out on people and to try to get everybody to have the same interest I have or you have. And I hope that when people listen to us, like when we get excited, when we talk fast, 
Like we're genuinely excited and we never put on airs, I don't think. Like we we never intend we always start kind of subdued. Yeah. And I think by the time we get to this point, you can yeah, hear. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just because we're gonna get an email about it and we don't podcast with a safety net, the atonement theory was last year. Oh, was it? The one we did this year, and you you pulled the right the right uh, series out. We did the Eucharist series or the Lord's Supper series, and then we did a couple small ones. So that's on me because I, I guess I just lose track of where things I are. I thought it was home was this year as well. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I think one of the things that I am starting to get this sense of is, like, we've gone past the point in podcasting in terms of the number of episodes where it's easy to kind of keep track of in time True. where things are. Like, I think if you ask me how long it feels like we've been doing the show, I'd say like two years. But like, we're almost coming up on four years, like five yeah, years. So we're getting crazy. close to that. And it's, it's crazy because, you know, we've covered so much ground. We've done so much content. Um, you know, we joked that some, I joked to say, like, don't go back and listen to, like, if you want to go back and listen to all of our episodes, you're welcome to. People have. People do. It's incredible. But, like, I cannot understand why someone wanted to listen to two hour, 250 hours, 220 <laughs> hours of us talking. Um, but, but people do. And I, I think when I listen to the voicemails we get, when I, when I talk to listeners or when I, I, you know, some of my closest friends who I've been engaged in different kinds of lowercase m ministry online with, you know, people like the people who used to be reformed pub admins. Um, when, when they listen to the show, the feedback that I get is that this is, this is just real theologizing. This is just, this is just real reflecting on who God is and, and kind of serializing it a little bit and maybe identifying some like buckets to put topics in. But for the most part, you know, we just try to do theology together. And I think that's what I love about doing the show is it gives me a good excuse to do yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. With, and this is the key, with some with some built-in accountability. Right. Because if I if I blow it, if I say something wrong, even something as little as saying the Atonement series was this year versus last year, uh, I'm going to get called out on it. Yeah. And so it's taught me, I've said this before, it's taught me to be more cautious with what I say. It's forced me to learn to be a little bit more humble because when I'm when I'm wrong about something, everybody hears it. And and I, I it, it makes sense for me to go back and correct that. So I've been forced to learn how to say, yeah, I got that wrong or yeah, I phrased that wrong. Um, it's just been really helpful. Um, so so I, I think the takeaway for me this year in terms of podcasting and in terms of just 2020 as a year is God is good. Like he, right. he's, Amen. he's working among his people. He's right. working among what's going on in the world. Um, you know, you and I have talked about it or even earlier today, like this, this idea that I can't wait to get out of 2020. Like, mm. like nobody really thinks that there's going to be some magic reset button and coronavirus is going to go away at midnight uh, you know, Eastern Standard Time on January 1st. Like, nobody thinks that. Right. Um, some people think we're going to see some rapid improvement, whether it's that you're frustrated about coronavirus or the wildfires or the rioting or the Trump-Biden election, like, all this stuff, that's going to be with us next year. Right. We're going to be dealing with coronavirus well into the middle of next year. We're going to have to... They're already talking about Trump's 2024 bid for president. Like, it's already it's already starting again. And I think, for me, going back to how we started this, 
All of that is for my salvation. Right. All of that is for my sanctification. All of that contributes to what God is doing in his world. All of that, I'm not, I'm not post-mill, but all of that contributes to the fact that God rules and reigns <laughs> yes, right now. Amen. That's right. that's why I'm not that's, a post-mill. That's it's because God rules and reigns right now. And whether it's coronavirus or whether it's the fact that Trump did win in 2020 or did win in 2016 and didn't win in 20, you know, whatever your position is about whether that's good or bad, that is also God's reign and rule, right? right? All things are subservient to my salvation and all things are for his glory. Um, that's the takeaway from 2020. And the beauty of that is that when 2021 doesn't really get any butter in a couple days, any butter? There's no butter in 2020. When 2021 doesn't get any better in a few days and it's basically still the same for several months, right? that's fine. That's it okay. Is. Like it's, it's, it's funny. I have that picture of that little meme with the little dog in the room that's on fire where he says, this is fine. Yeah. And like, rather than that being a meme that we post when we think someone's ignoring reality, that's actually reality. Like, this is fine. Like, the whole world could be burning it down around my shoulders. Right. But I have Jesus Christ. And be this is going to sound blasphemous. But even in addition to that, because I have Jesus Christ, I also have all my Christian brothers and sisters. Right. And they're Amen. in this with me. Right. And not only do I get to spend eternity with Jesus and with God, which is obviously if that was the only benefit of salvation, that is enough. It's worth it. I also get to spend eternity with all my Christian brothers right. and sisters yeah, and right enjoy on. that together. Right on. That's a good point. I'm totally with you. I think maybe we should have started with a counter of some kind that for this past year, how many times we said, start a sentence with, this is going to sound blasphemous. Yeah. That's also <laughs> something apparently we do a lot. I'm with you. One of the things that I, I know at this time of year is everybody, again, almost everybody to sound extreme, has loves the new year because they're looking for freshness, right. like renewal, a reset, literally. Yeah. And I find that to be, in some ways, like the stamp, like Solomon speaks of stamping eternity in the hearts of men. This idea that in, in the same heart is stamped this idea to want to be renewed, to have something new happen to you, to reset and move away from what was happening in the past, so to have a fresh chance at life almost again. Yeah, That is distinctly restorative, and only that kind of rest restoration comes from God through Jesus yeah. Christ. So how what a beautiful thing that when the scriptures tell us that God's mercies are new every day, every day you can have a happy new year. Yeah. Because, and that only comes though through relationship with God. So being that we have that as his children and Christians, we ought to celebrate that more and be more confident that there, like you said, there's nothing special or magical. I find this so funny and we shouldn't try to like try to push through time too quickly. Right. Like God has set our days in order here. It's appointed for a man to die once and then to be judged. And so that is a terrible reality for some and a rejoicing, a reality full of rejoicing for others. And so we ought to place ourselves firmly in the camp where we're like, whether today is 2021 or 2026, yeah. uh, really, it doesn't matter because God is on the throne yeah. and his kingdom is both here and not yet. And so we have something to look forward to. And it also reminds us that all of this is still just a shadow. And there is seriousness in the shadow land in which we live, but it's not the ultimate reality. Yeah. So anything that reminds us, that pushes us to the place where we're saying God redeems all things, even and especially death itself, yeah. then, then that can't be the most real thing yeah. because God himself is the highest authority and the most real thing. And his eternal kingdom is the thing which we ought to set our eyes on and say, that's going to be really the new year, my salvation and restoration and eternity, my glorification. Yeah. That'll be when we really get after it. But yeah. for now, we can rest assured that all is well. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge C.S. Lewis fan, and I've never even read the entirety of the Chronicles How of Narnia. How dare you? And I'll be honest, I have some serious concerns about Aslan the as wardrobe? a figure. Or, yeah, okay. Aslan as a figure in the second commandment. Like, I, I have questions that yeah. 
need to be resolved. But one of the things that has always struck me as just a really beautiful moment in um, the Chronicles of Narnia is the children are at, um, you know, they're, they're kind of fleeing from Beaver's house and they're, they're heading to the stone table. Yeah. And as they, as they move, the, the winter starts to thaw. Mm. And, you know, there's all there's that phrase, Aslan's on the move. Yes, and, I and love that. And what it is is, is the, the people of Narnia, they hear about Aslan being on the move before they see Aslan on the move, right. before they experience it. And they, they start to see the signs of spring before the winter is fully over. Mm-hmm. And, and in a lot of ways, that's the eternal life of the Christian, not the yeah. eternal life of the Christian. The, the life of the, the Christian in this, in this life is we know that Christ is moving. We know that he, he is thawing out the deep winter that we are in in our lives. Right. And, and for me, looking at the close of 2020, kind of anticipating the coming of 2021, that's kind of the message that I'm going into the year with is, yeah, let's be honest, 2020 sucked. Like it was a terrible year for almost everybody. Um, but, you know, it also wasn't like the bubonic plague, right? There there have been worse years in the history of mankind sure, of than 2020. Of course. But at the same time, we don't lose hope because yeah, right 2020 was terrible, but Jesus is on the move. Amen. And we can look forward. Even if 2021 is worse, Jesus right. is still on the move. Right. Even if it feels like the winter is getting worse, spring is coming. And that's that's the beauty of the gospel. It's funny. We started before we recorded just like, I'm not going to get all eschatological on this. <laughs> and then I immediately got eschatological. But but that's the reality of the Christian. It is. And, you know, we come out of Advent. Jesse and I make a big deal about there's only one holy day. But there, there is some value in the themes and the ideas that the Christian church has come up with. And, and you come out of Advent, which is an anticipation of, of Christmas. It's an anticipation of the first of se- the celebration of the first coming, but more so it's an anticipation of the second coming. Yes. And for me, the end of the year is really more like that. Yeah. As I look at the end of the year coming to a close, I look at what's happened and I can have confidence going into the future that that is just propelling me one step closer to my final my final reward, my final rest with Jesus Christ. And so as terrible and frustrating as 2020 was, we can look at it and everything that happened moved us forward to that to that goal. There's not a single thing that that Amen. slowed down Christ's coming right. or drew us away from him in a way that he cannot reclaim or us. Or advanced it. Right, or advanced it more, exactly. Um, so, you know, we could go on and on and on. And, and this has been a great year, I think, for podcasting. There's a lot of new podcasts because everybody's locked in their house. <laughs> um, but, but it's just been a good year to slow down, like you said, like to slow down and reflect, to, to recognize that a lot of the things that have um, cluttered up our lives before have been stripped away. Right. It's funny, I joke about how like we don't really have a dress code at work anymore. And we probably will have some sort of dress code, but it used to be so rigid. It used to be so rigid that mm. like you had to have a specific dress code. And now like people just don't think that's important anymore. Right. Um, and that's happening in the church too. Churches who before were all concerned about like super showy, high production value, they're just going to be glad when they can see each other. Right. Amen. And they're they're satisfied right now with an acoustic guitar and a guy who doesn't sing very well, but that's what we have, and a bad Zoom connection. They're satisfied with that because that's what we have, right. and we can be together that way. It's not replacing church, but we can be together in a semblance of worship together. Right. And now we can celebrate when we come back together. You know, so so for me, it's just kind of getting back to the basics, getting back yeah, to the I simple agree with stuff. You. I agree with you. Uh, and moving forward towards our goal 
there's no other way to go. You just go forward. It's been a test, I think, of Christians as to where they put their hope. And that's been the bottom line. What I think it's actually been a harder year for Christians because it's tested uh, the resolve of our faith, but also our practice of our faith. And, and again, people should take a look at some of the things we've talked about this year with all the more details of that. But yeah. I think God is doing a great winnowing even in his own church. And he's really testing whether or not we're going to behave in a way that's compatible with the things that we've said for maybe a long time right. about what theology means to us and how we understand what love looks like and sacrifice. And he's tested this year, are you willing to do that for the good of uh, the brethren, but also for those maybe whom you don't even know and those who are outside yet the family of God? How loving will you be? Yeah. And will you look like your father when you're doing it? Not just will you take certain actions that are prescribed for you, but will your attitude be right in the midst of doing those things? And that's, yeah. of course, always the higher test. Yeah. And so we've talked a lot about that stuff. So I'm with you. I think we have a lot to look forward to in 2021. But I'll say this. It has nothing to do with whether or not God gives us a vaccine. It has nothing yeah. to do with whether or not we're able to go on vacation again or even whether or not we're able to soon meet together because even all those things aside, God is still doing a great and mighty work. And I think when we spend time in the scriptures, we spend time in prayer, our eyes become more enlightened to the right. work that he is doing. Even if that's starting the revival in our own hearts, that would be an excellent thing. And yeah. I, I pray for that for myself. So please, this year, continue to come along with us. We're going to do again the book reset, but also keep the emails coming, keep the voicemails coming. Yeah. We want to do so many more question casts and the inbox is a little light right now on voicemails and yeah. particularly though we are not brief we do love a good brief voicemail do, yeah that's super good for allowing us to get somebody to ask the question and then to have time to talk about it so would you please call us uh send us a voicemail what is that number tony that phone number is 607 444 Six seven bros. Bros. Yes. I throw that to Tony because I don't remember yeah. the phone number. So yeah, please give us a call. Leave a question or a comment on the voicemail. We would love so much to hear from you. We do listen to all that stuff, and we want to put together again in this new year yeah. so many more question casts or just you know conversations. And as well, I should say, we not only read every email and appreciate every email and voicemail, but like you said, Tony, I wish we could share. We have more time to share about like the times people have written us and said like hey, you didn't get this right, or I don't really like the way you said this. We like all those too, because yeah. again, this is a real conversation. Let us be your examples. We sometimes fail in the way that we describe something because we're trying to be precise right. in real time with difficult things. And sometimes we don't say it right. Or sometimes I say things like we're injected with faith, which is not at all, yeah, not at true. all what I've actually meant. Yeah. So it's one of those things where hopefully this is an example. Just have the conversation. Don't need to get your level of theology to a place where it's like, pitch perfect, so to speak, before you can go out and sing. Right. Go and do that. Go have those conversations. Yeah. So here's to 2021, Tony, and I'm yeah. going to do it with you. Yeah, there we go. Well, Jesse. Well, Tony. In light of that idea, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Oh.